Welcome to the audio podcast for Beit Abba, the Messianic Jewish ministry at the Father's House. We exist to proclaim the gospel to the Jewish people and to connect Christians to Israel and the Jewish roots of our faith. This is part two of look up, look at, look out. Countdown to Shavuot or countdown to Pentecost. I feel it's an undertaught or understudied subject, the Feast of Pentecost. I learned it as Hallelujah, God poured out his Holy Spirit, and it was great. And the church was born, and we went out and preached the gospel, and that's good. But it turns out there's a whole lot more to this that has to do with the expectation of resurrection, the expectation of touches from Yeshua, from Jesus during the season, touches of the risen Christ, and it makes a connection with the history of the faith, that is the the Jewish people getting the word of God in a way that no other holiday does. So, and it's also got some cool cultural stuff that we do. We eat a lot of dairy because we receive the milk of the word at Sinai. We stay up all night, the night before, because the evening and the morning was the first day because God starts his days in the evening. So we stay up all night and read the word. And part, this is ringing. Can you you bring this down? God uh, has us reading the book of Ruth on the day before Pentecost. Why? Because it's a harvest book. Because it's a prophetic book about the end of the age when Jews and Gentiles will come together in the harvest field just as Ruth took Naomi's hand and said, your people shall be my people and your God my God and where you go I will go and where you lodge I will lodge and where you die I will die. Nothing but death can separate us. And she led Naomi into the house of bread. I want to say that you are Ruth. Amen. You are Ruth. And God is filling you up with these messages because you're going to take the whole hand of a Jewish person, a Naomi, one who is sad, who is without the word, who has lost her way, and you're going to take that hand and lead that person to the house of bread Amen. and to the person of bread. That's what this is. This is equipping. We're doing this around the world. We can't do it without you. You know, I, I have a counseling practice. I work for a living. <laughs> I have pastors. People think pastors don't work. They do. <laughs> but I have a, a day job. And when we go, when we're sent around the world, I don't have a way to cover that income. So we need prayer partners first, and we need financial partners as well. There's no big organization carrying us. You're it. People that get what we're doing are the ones who are helping us do what we do. And I believe it's a message for this hour. It's a message for this day. Do you, how many of you get our newsletter? Okay. Mike, go get a batch of these. Here's the thing. Did you, if you saw the newsletter this month, you would see that something incredible happened in England, of all places, which is a rising tide of anti-Semitic behavior in England. And there was an Arab from Jordan Identifies as a Palestinian. Three quarters of the people in Jordan are Palestinian Arabs. They're very small, they're related to the Hashemite kingdom that runs the place, but they mostly identify as Arabs who, as my friend Walid, who was a PLO terrorist, he said, on June 4th, 1967, I went to sleep a Jordanian. June 5th, I woke up a Palestinian. Because the people group never existed apart from the tribal Arabs of the land. It's a long story that I have to, you have to get the podcast and the stuff that we have online to fully understand that. But the people are precious. My Arab cousins, 
This man stood up, a Muslim stood up at Oxford University in a debating society, and he started off, and I thought it was going to be the usual rhetoric about how Israel killed us, and Israel does this, and Israel does that. And he does an eight-minute speech saying, it's our Arab leaders that are oppressing us. It's our Arab leaders that are stealing the money that the West sends. It's our Arab leaders that are keeping us from our future, our destiny. We love our Jewish brothers, we love Israel, and we believe we can live in peace with our Jewish brothers. Well, you know, when I see something like that, I gotta send it out to everybody. So I sent it around the world. If you're not getting our newsletter, sign up and get our newsletter. You really want to stay in touch. And what, what God's given us to do that I think is a little bit different is to try to sift through a lot of the noise and find places of hope and places where you can see the hand of the Lord moving and bring those to you. Because I mean, one of my earliest messages after I got on the Israel trail was good news from the Middle East. Because we never hear good news from the Middle East, right? But it's important to know what God is doing behind the scenes especially encouraging during this season of Shavuot. So I'm excited about this brother, this friend, Arab friend, Muslim, who was standing for Israel amongst a group of multi-age, like a lot of millennial students at Oxford, but then some older folks too. And I just, my jaw was on the floor watching this guy love Israel and, and call things the way they are in the Middle East. Very exciting. I won't read you that, it's too heavy. So by way of review, how many of you were here for part one of this on Shabbat, you were here? Just a few of you. So you'll tolerate while I review a little bit of this for the other people. This season is between Passover, the first spiritual holiday of the year, the first feast of the Lord, matzah or unleavened bread, which is the seven days following Passover, and first fruits, which is the third day after Passover, which we call Easter, yeah. It has nothing to do with Easter. The Easter bunny cannot save your soul, but the Jewish Messiah, Jesus, can. And he rose on first fruits because the pattern of the feast is all about Yeshua and the work of Messiah. So he rose on first fruits, and then we count 49 days plus one, which is why it's called Pentecost. That means 50 days or 50th day, but we call it Shavuot or the Feast of Weeks. And during this Feast of Weeks, we wave the fruit of the land before the Lord in gratitude as the wheat harvest is coming in. It's been the barley harvest, now the wheat harvest is coming in. And in gratitude, we wave sheaves before the Lord. And we prepare, and every day we count the number of sheaves, and we have all this kind of, some of it's mystical and, and inside baseball or you know, inside soccer, whatever they do in Israel. But, but the reality is, it points to something about the season of resurrection between the crucifixion and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost, on Shavuot. And so it's a season of great expectation. It's a season when you can expect to have an encounter with the Lord, just as the disciples did. He rose on first fruits on the third day. And then he started appearing to the people, to the disciples for the next 49 days. 40 days. He went up on the 40th day. We'll get to that in a moment. He ascended. But in this period of time, he made his appearance. He made himself known to the people, to the ones that loved him and were looking for him. And then he did on the 50th day what he said he would do back at Passover. At Passover, there are four cups that are drunk. A cup of sanctification, 
The cup of judgment, the cup of redemption, and the cup of praise. The third cup, the cup of redemption, is when he said, this is my blood which is poured out for you. They had no idea what he was talking about. But they would the next day. Now there's another part to the cup of redemption that you need to know if you haven't heard this before. The cup of redemption, that third cup, is the cup that a young man would place before a bride. And if she received it and drank from it, they were betrothed. And she would veil herself and wait only for him. He would go to his father's house and prepare a place for her. And then he would return. She did not know when, but she was betrothed. And she was not looking at the rest of the world. She was looking only for the bridegroom. And he would come back when she did not know and take her to himself, to his father's house where they would dwell. Sound familiar? That's a Hebrew custom that goes back before the first century, a style of relating in marriage. Can you imagine what it's like for those Jews who are born of the Spirit, who recognize Jesus in all this, to go to a Jewish wedding and realize that they're all acting out the story of the coming of Messiah and they don't even know it? It's crazy. That's why we need your prayers. That's why we need your support. That's why we want you to fall in love with this message and realize that your roots are going deeper because God's going to make you a big tree and there's going to be the birds of the air will come and find rest in that rest in that. Because the day is coming when 10 men will take hold of one Jew. Isaiah said, and say, We've, we want to go with you. We've heard that the Lord is with you. I had a funniest thing, an old friend that I haven't seen in 50 years. We went to summer camp together. She's in Israel. She's posting about her trip. She actually wrote, she's on a Jewish trip, no Jesus. She actually wrote, we had a great day at Jaffa at the house of Cornelius where Peter, an Orthodox Jew, ate his first unkosher food and became the first convert to Christianity. That's what I mean. Pray that, yeah. Sister Weiss. Let revelation come. I'm going to write to her. I just have to cool down first. <laughs> I have a, our board of directors. We have a 501c3. Our board of directors always say, Miles, don't send that. Just, we'll just sleep on it. Take out the large red letters and sleep on it. You know? And my wife is always editing. That's part of why we wrote this marriage book. We're going to be doing marriage seminars. The pattern that we've had over the years is we'll do Friday night and Saturday morning marriage and then send them on a date Saturday night. Good idea. And then Sunday morning we'll give them both barrels about Israel. So that's kind of this pattern that's coming up in these next few months. We'll be doing that in Israel, in Jerusalem, hallelujah. We'll do it in the, in the UK and then back in the Bay Area, in Nevada and the Bay Area. And... It all fits together. That's why this message of Shavuot is so impressive to me because it fits in with the book that we just published, which is available to you tonight. Everybody has it, right? Some of them have four or five of them, <laughs> which we appreciate. <laughs> so, I have to tell you a joke. Is that okay? So my son, is, his new tag is a, Californ a Texan from California, 
right? He's now a Texan. And, and uh, so I saw this joke I want to share with him when I see him. A Texan is in Israel. He's driving around. He's thirsty, so he stops at a little house and asks the guy for a drink of water. And the guy says, sure, come on in, have some water. Comes in, and the man notices some chickens around. He says, oh, what do you do here? He says, oh, I, I raise chicken. I'm a farmer. He said, well, how big is your spread? And the Israeli says, well, I have 50 meters up front, and I have 100 meters out back. And the Texan says, oh, really? And the Israeli says, how big is your spread? And he says, well, I have breakfast, and get in my car. I drive all day, and I have dinner at the other end of my property. And the Israeli says, oh, I know what that's like. I had a car like that once, too. <laughs> All right, this is what the Lord says, sing with joy for Israel. Shout for the greatest of nations, shout out with praise and joy. Save your people, O Lord, the remnant of Israel, for I will bring them from the north. I will not forget the blind and the lame from the distant corners of the earth, the expectant mothers and women in labor, a great company will return. So we say, look up. This is in the book about marriage and family, but it's in the word about you and Shavuot in this season. Look up first, look up. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Look up. We have to see the Lord. We have to see him in a new way. A lot of the stuff that goes on and the hurt that we do to each other in families and in churches and in marriages and in the society would not take place if we looked up. Religion will not fix this. We need relationship. We need to see his face. And his face is on every page of the Bible. If you've seen him, you've seen the Father. The Marcionite heresy of the first century was that Marcion was a heretic who said that the Old Testament was bad Jews, New Testament, good Christians. Old Testament, God of anger and and judgment. New Testament, God of grace. Old Testament was... um, only law, New Testament is only grace. That is a heresy. The fact is, it's one long story. And the grace of God is throughout the Hebrew scriptures, or I would not be here. My family's dirty laundry is in the book. We would not be here if he was not gracious to us. If he didn't have a, a view to the future for us. And that's a good word for you. Because if he can regather us from all the nations of the world after 2,000 years... How hard is your sore throat for him? Or tonight my sore throat. You know? He can do it. Right? Whatever you're facing. Whatever you're going through. Now sometimes healing is not temporal healing like we want. Sometimes the healing is going to heaven. Happened to my sister. Happened to my mom. We were praying. There was changes. God extended their lives. But there came a time when the healing was to go face to face with the Lord. Thank God they both did. You know, I'll see him again, which I'm looking forward to because my sister's kind of a wise guy too, so we're going to have a lot of fun just kind of cutting up. So we need to look up during this season, this resurrection season leading up to, to Shavuot, leading up to Pentecost. Look up. Expect to see him. Expect intervention. Expect resurrection. We need to look at, in marriage, we need to look at each other we need to have a face-to-face relationship where we can open our lives and, and co- overcome the insecurities that we have. You read in our book about the, 
the bottom line on a lot of that is that the, the insecurities for women tend to be physical, insecure about physical nakedness and body, and for men it's emotional. We don't like to talk about our frailties. We just are raised to walk it off, rub some dirt on it, don't whine, you know? So that's what we do, but there's a time when you gotta say, hey, baby, I'm hurting, I'm really sad about this thing. It's nakedness, not, it's not come nor normally, easily to men. Now don't go too far. <laughs> you know, she's relying on you to be strong, so don't go too far, but it's important to open up. We need to look at, Song of Solomon says, Ani Dodi Vidodi Li, who has a ring from Israel that has that on it. Ani Dodi Vidodi Li, somebody must. Correct. I am my beloved, and my beloved is mine. Anila Dodi It was the theme of my son's wedding. They had the cake with it on it in Hebrew. They had the signs with it on it. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, we need to look at each other. Now, with the Lord, that means that same kind of vulnerability. And first, look up. I'm expecting resurrection power and intervention. Look at, I'm saying, God, I need your help. And I never get tired of this joke, but you've heard it, but I'm going to tell it anyway. But my son, when he was in di diapers, my older son, he would get wedged between the, the chair and the wall. And he would go look around and go, stuck, <laughs> stuck. And I thought, this man is teaching me how to pray. That's how David prayed. King David prayed that way. Stuck, stuck. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. I'm stuck, bless the Lord, oh my soul. I have, have my spirit take dominion over my stuckness and believe God to deliver me into the land of the living. Amen. Vulnerability. And the third part of this is to look out. This has twofold meaning to it. Yeshua said, you know the saying, four months between planting and harvest, but I say wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. Look around. The look out has to do with look out for a purpose greater than yourself. Look out for meaning. Look out for involvement, for investment, for things that have something bigger than you in them because it will be music to your soul. That's part of what kept us together. We're very different. Huh? I'm so much taller than her. She's so much older than me. She's Jewish. I'm not. She's constantly reading the encyclopedia and I got the funny papers. I mean, we're really different. So we had to look out for a purpose greater than ourselves, which we found in Mission to the Nations, in counseling and healing the brokenhearted, and in bringing Jesus to, the, to Israel and the Jewishness of Jesus to the nations, to the church. It's purpose greater than ourselves. So that helps when you feel like quitting, by the way. Like Jeremiah, that's it, I'm out, retiring. Didn't the word burn like a fire in the belly? He couldn't, couldn't quit. That's a good word. And the other part of this lookout has to do with, above all, have fervent, unfailing love for one another. Because love covers a multitude of sin. It looks, overlooks kindness, unkindness, and unselfishly seeks the best for others. And that word fervent, fervent love, fervent unfailing love, that fervent has to do with stretching before a marathon. 
has to do with God putting a love in you that comes from above that will stretch you to be sure that you cover a multitude of sins with your love. They not come easily. We're going to have to get it from above to watch over each other. So this counting of the Omer begins, the Shavuot look begins on the third day, what we call Easter in the Christian world. It's, it's resurrection day, it's first fruits. It's when the first fruits of the, of the land would be lifted up. Who's the firstborn son of many brothers? Yeshua, Jesus. So the very first resurrection sighting we have is in John 20, 16. Now, depending on how you harmonize the gospels, there's either eight or nine appearances. I like them both. If it's eight, new life, new beginnings. Number eight in the Hebrew, love it. If it's nine, fruit of the spirit. <laughs> fruit of character, fruit of the spirit, gifts of the spirit. Either way, it's good. Because when, when Yeshua gave that cup to the, to the guys, he was say, he'd saying to them, will you marry me? I'm going to make you my bride. They had no idea, of course, what that meant. But he was giving them the cup of redemption. And then the, the other part of the marriage story is that the young man would not only go away and create a place for her, but he would send a gift to her. Matan in Hebrew. Say matan. matan. Gift. He would send a gift. So here's Yeshua crucified buried, resurrected, and getting ready to promise them that it's expedient that he go away because he is going to send them a gift of the Holy Spirit not many days from now. John 20, 16, Mary, Jesus said, she turned to him and cried out, Rabbi, which is Hebrew for teacher, don't cling to me, for I haven't yet ascended to my father. But go find my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I've seen the Lord. Then she gave them his message. Now, that could be one, this could be the other one, or the same one. Very early on Sunday morning, the women, not just Mary, the women, went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in but didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. And the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who's alive? He isn't here. He's risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee? That the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and that he would rise again on first fruits the third day after Passover. Then they remembered that he had said this. So they rushed back to the from the tomb to tell his 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. It was Mary, Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and several other women who told the apostles what had happened. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men, so they didn't believe it. However, Peter jumped up and ran to the tomb to look. Stooping, he peered in and saw the empty linen wrappings. Then he went home again, wondering what had happened. So, note... Yeshua appears to the women. Now, there's all kinds of layers to this. This is my anti-patriarchal moment. The old English for Genesis 2.18 is a help meet. The newer King James is a help mate. But the Hebrew, that sounds like a, a personal assistant, right? Gopher. Go, fetch me. Go make me a sandwich. But the Hebrew, 
is Ezer Kenegdo, and it means a lifesaver, a counselor, and a co-equal in power. Future of the church is going to have to get this message. We have got to see the equality and in some places the superiority of women spiritually. Please feel free. Well, a woman is clapping. Take note, men. If you want to impress your wife and maybe see her later, go ahead and clap for the fact that the women have a co-equal part in the kingdom. And he demonstrates it by appearing to them first. It's significant. Firsts are always important in the Bible. Firsts are always important. First reference, first occurrence, first mention, they're always meaningful. This is meaningful. I'm leaning on it for a second. This is meaningful. So any of that old denominational stuff that you may have, whether it's Orthodox Jewry sitting, sitting aside or, or whatever denomination you come from, uh-uh. Lifesaver, counselor, co-equal. Okay? All right. I think I beat you up enough with that one for, to, for tonight. I feel good. Okay. The next day, the second day after first fruits, he appeared to the two on the road to Emmaus. And later that evening to the 12 disciples. These are resurrection encounters. Folks, I'm trying to build your faith for this season. We're in a season when God wants to appear to you in a new way. The road to Emmaus was certainly one of those. It's one of my favorite stories. If you haven't heard Jason Upton's song, you should look him up. Jason Upton, the two fools on the road to Emmaus. (laughs) Might as well be you and me. Great line. The same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. Huh. Next time, on the seventh, we'll do part three and talk about the number seven and the seven weeks and the meaning of seven in Shavuot and Pentecost and what it may mean to you in a real way. Something you can use. News you can use. Good news you can use. Okay. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Yeshua himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? (laughs) Wink, wink, nod, nod. I'm God, I'm Messiah. What are you guys talking about? Let me in on it. They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened here the last few days. What things, Jesus asked. Are you glad that God has a sense of humor? I depend on it. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said, he was a prophet who did powerful miracles and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death when they crucified him, and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Jesus said to them, you fools and slow of heart not to discern the things of God. In this translation, is you foolish people. You find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. This is a word for the church. You know, that, that he, he, you can see him in the Hebrew scriptures, see him in the Old Testament. And it's important. As my friend Peter Tsukihira says, if you read the New Testament only, it's like, coming into a movie in the middle, you, you know how it ends, but you don't know why. This love affair with this 
not a little group of people, is a demonstration of the heart of God for all of humanity. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. How'd you like to be at that Bible study? Yeah. <laughs> By this time, they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if he were going on, but they begged him, stay the night with us since it's getting late. So he went home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Baruch atah Adonai, Eloheinu melech olam, hamotzi lechem in haaretz. Blessed are you, Lord God, King of the universe, brings forth bread from the earth. So here's the lechem hashamayim, the bread of heaven, is sitting with them. He's breaking natural bread, and he's praying the prayer that goes back over 2,000 years that basically says that you bring forth bread from the earth. And it was three days, yesterday, two days ago, that he was risen from the earth, that he came out of the earth. And he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment he disappeared. Has anybody ever made a good movie of this? No, I'm serious. Has anybody ever made a really good movie that, that has that scene in it? I haven't seen one. I just don't know. I don't get out much. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us? As he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us. Within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with them who said, the Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. Then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road and how they had recognized him as he was breaking the bread. And just as they were telling about it, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. Shalom, Chavarim. Peace be with you. The whole group was startled and frightened, thinking they were seeing a ghost. Why are you frightened, he asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. Touch me. Make sure that I'm not a ghost, because ghosts don't have bodies, as you see that I do. As he spoke, he showed them his hands and feet. Still, they stood there in disbelief, filled with joy and wonder. Then he asked them, you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he ate it as they watched. Then he said, when I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scripture. Let's agree on that prayer right now. God, would you open our minds? We need a fresh revelation from your word. Would you open our minds to see things that we've never seen before, to see you in ways we've never seen you. God, fill us with revelation of who you are. God, we, we know how it draws us closer to you to have these, these, these downloads, these pieces of your, your heart to see more of who you are. God, we're asking for revelatory experiences with the Bible in this season. Amen. Open my mind. And he said, yes, it was written long ago that Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on first fruits, on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations, beginning in Jerusalem. There's forgiveness of sins for all who repent. We need to not lose that word in the church. Repent. 
Change your mind, change your direction, change your playground, play things and playmates. There's forgiveness of sin for all who repent. You're witnesses of all these things. And now I will send Hamatan. I will send the gift, the Holy Spirit, just as my father promised, but stay here in the city till the Holy Spirit comes. The gift that I promised you at Passover, when I did that bridal encounter, the Holy Spirit is going to come as a gift and fill you with power from heaven. A week later, he appeared to the 12th. Eight days later to Thomas. Uh, sometime later, the third time to the disciples when they went back to their fishing jobs. They kept appearing to him. All these verses are in this PowerPoint, but I'm not going to give them to you because we have to end soon. And then, oh, it's one of my favorites. According to the apostle Paul, Rabbi Shaul, he also appeared in 1 Corinthians 15, 6. He appeared to 500 people at once. So it was the women, the disciples, the road to Emmaus, Thomas, here and there, now and then, a little bit of them, then 500 people. Then James, the half-brother in 1 Corinthians 15, 7. And then on the 40th day of this season, he ascended. He took them to Bethany, where he had raised Lazarus. It's a great story, because by grace you are saved through faith, and that, not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. So he goes to Bethany, where Lazarus was raised from the dead. How much faith did Lazarus have being dead? None. He received a gift of faith to rise up because your salvation and your new life and your life eternal is given to you by grace. It's not something you can earn. And it's a gift. By grace we're saved through faith, and that, not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. That's my new closure on the, the witnessing deal is, hey, I don't know anything. All I know is I ask the ceiling. If you're the Messiah, show me. So I'm, I'm telling you, ask the sky. Ask the sky. Is Jesus Lord? Are you Messiah? Are you the Savior of the world? Do you, can you save my soul? Just ask. And he'll unload on you like he did on me. Now, some of you are old enough to get this joke. Because being a stiff-necked Jew, I needed the Berean word of study, the road of study. I had to see it in the Bible. But I also needed supernatural experiences, right? The Greeks seek after wisdom. The Jews require a sign. So I met El Shaddai. I met him as El Gibor. But mostly I met him as El Kabong, the God who flattens. He unloaded so many supernatural experiences on me that I could not argue. I could not argue. Reality from heaven. On the 40th day, he's with them in Bethany, Bet-Ani, the house of the poor. He's in the place where his friend was dead where the poor people were, some historians say there was a leper colony near there, and that's one of the reasons why they took note of Jesus, was that he was the only one who could hang out and go there. But it's the lowest, worst condition possible where his friend died and he raised him from the dead, and he goes there in order to ascend to heaven, as if to tell us, I don't care how low you are, I don't care how victimized you've been, I don't care what has come against you, doesn't matter, I'm telling you, I will bring you up with me, and we will ascend together to my father in heaven yes. 
I could stuff you for another few minutes, but I think I might just leave you hungry for the next time, get you to come back on the 7th. Stuff on. Throat lost. All right. Why is this a perfect picture for us as Jews and Gentiles together? Because the Jews, we celebrate this as the time that we became a people and we received the word. And as the church, mostly Gentile now, we celebrate it as the time when we received the law written on our hearts, right? I'm gonna show you the comparison. There's a symmetry in this, and I like to teach this on the southern steps, but I, off, one time we, we landed uh, on Shavuot to do television, and we went to a kibbutz where they were offering the first fruits of the land, agricultural kibbutz, you know, a big farm. And they were offering up the first fruits of the land, and then the mommies were up there with the babies that had been born that year. And they were, they were just pointing, just dancing their babies before the Lord too, offering that for, first fruits to the Lord, you know? And so, so I taught this there at the hay bales and the kids running around and this music everywhere. But it's, it's meaningful to me because it's a, it's a valuable way to, for me to connect with my Jewish friends and family the story of the church. You know, Jesus, Peter didn't go eat ribs and became a Christian. That's not what that story was about. That was about God blessing the Gentiles and saying, you're welcome into the commonwealth of Israel. Do not call unclean what God has cleansed, Peter. You know, God is not a respecter of persons, and he's saying, I will have a people who are not my people, so get right, Peter, because they're coming in by the billions. Amen. Yeah. So I have to find a way to tell that to my, my old friend. So this, the story that we celebrate, the Jewish people celebrate, is that the giving of the word on Mount Sinai, right? And it's contrasted to what happened to us on Mount Zion as the church. Remember, the, the Mount Sinai experience was 50 days after Egypt, Moses was up and down for 40 days. That's why it's kind of cool that Jesus ascended on the 40th day. Because Moses said in Deuteronomy 18, 18, I will, God says he will raise up a prophet like me from among you, hear him. Jesus is a fulfillment of the pattern that Moses set. So Mount Sinai, Mount Zion. On Mount Sinai, God gave the law to us, the word, the Torah. Law is a kind of a weak translation. He gave the instructions. Here's how it's to live. The basis for all real law in the Western world is Judeo-Christian world, and we should probably remember that at some point. Anyway, on Mount Sinai, God gave the, the Torah to us amidst thunder and lightning. In the upper room on Mount Zion, God gave the spirit with tongues of fire. Sinai and that time of receiving the word is considered the birthday of Judaism. Mount Zion is the birthday of the church. It's when you were born. Receiving the Torah made the Israelites a cohesive group with a priestly calling. It's Exodus 19.5. Receiving the spirit made the believers a cohesive group with a priestly calling. Parallel. Your Kalat Mashiach. Try that. Kalat Mashiach, the bride of Christ. At Sinai, there was great joy because there was a physical harvest to come. On Mount Zion, great joy because of a spiritual harvest to come. That's why we look out because the harvest is ripe. In Exodus 32, 28, 3,000 died because of disobedience. 
In Acts 2.41, 3,000 were born again when Peter preached that sermon. You can't make this up, folks. It's like when you come with us to Israel. When David was taking the city a 1,000 years before Jesus, the Jebusites mocked him and said, the lame and the halt, the lame and the blind could keep you out. Nevertheless, David took the city. A thousand years later, when Jesus was in the city, walking the earth, he did two miracles in Jerusalem. The pool of Bethesda, the lame, and the pool of Siloam, the blind. What David did in the natural, Jesus fulfills in the spirit, the greater son of David. 3,000 died, 3,000 born again. At Sinai, we received the law from the outside. It's the old Mel Brooks joke of, I have 15, I have 10 commandments. I have another joke that I can't tell you. I'll, I'll tell some of you privately, but I can't tell you because I'll get in trouble. My, my son, my millennial, more millennial son thinks all my jokes are racist and sexist and misogynist and terrible. You know, and I say, you know what? You guys killed comedy. <laughs> they, they, they are born offended. <laughs> okay. At Sinai, we received the Torah on the outside. On Zion, we got the law on the inside, the spirit on the inside. And we have a higher law, by the way. If somebody tells you that was law and this is grace, you're in trouble because you have a higher law in you. It's the law of love. That is a higher law. That's why we need the grace. So he said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even San Francisco. I did it. There's a lot more we'll do next time. Uh, I'll review that one. Maybe I'll, I'll put the verses up so you can take them home with you. But why don't, why don't we stand? Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you full? Yes. Are you happy? Yes. I'm happy. I'm happy you're happy. I'm happy you're happy. I want us to have this revelation I want more revelation in the word. Do you want more revelation in the word? I need more revelation in the word. So I'm gonna bless you and then we're gonna sing a closing song. There's people up here for prayer. If you'd like us to sign a book, we'll be in the back. Thank you. Thank you for caring about what God cares about. Thank you for loving what God loves. Thank you for coming out on a Friday night to bless the Lord, to be part of that company that helps the world see that Joseph was unrecognizable to his brothers the first time, but when he returns, we're all gonna know him, just as Joseph, Joseph's brothers knew him the second time. My people will know him. We will look upon him and we have pierced and mourn as if we're an only son. It's gonna be great revelation, great harvest leading up to that day. Great conflict in the world as well. But the day is coming when we'll be on the mountain together praising the Lord. For more information about Beit Abba, log on to our website at tfh.org slash Beit Abba or call our office at 707-455-7790.